Hey, Christ community, so glad you are joining us online. You are a vital part of our church family. If you're watching this on Sunday morning, feel free to connect with our online community through our group chat during services or our digital lobby after the service. And if you're not connected to a group, check out our, our group link on our webpage. We, we just want to help you grow in your relationship with Christ, however we can do that. So I was, I was talking with someone the other day just uh, about all the stress and the emotions and the challenges in the midst of this season. And she said something that I thought was so accurate. She said, nobody is their best self right now. I mean, maybe we're not as patient as we'd like to be, or our, 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 you know, our fuse seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Maybe our level of stress feels like it's off the charts. Or maybe we just feel like we're more irritable or critical. We find ourselves withdrawing more or getting into more arguments. I mean, the reality is while COVID-19 is a physical virus, the impact it is having in every aspect of our lives is huge, especially in the area of our relationships. For Raylene and I, the reality of five months of having our 19-year-old son with special needs home 24-7 has brought to the surface all sorts of relational challenges, not just with him, but with each other. I mean, we, we took a walk the other day. By the time we were done, Raylene was expressing her frustration with me, and I felt like withdrawing even further. We, we had to talk it out. We had some major expectation differences that were boiling kind of beneath the surface. Now, here's the good news. The relational stress that COVID has surfaced is actually an incredible opportunity for us to strengthen and improve our relationships. I mean, God cares about our relationships. He wants us to experience healthy, whole relationships, which is why so much of the Bible talks about relationships, including the passage that we're looking at today. If you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We're, we're going verse by verse through this amazing book of Philippians where Paul is writing this letter to a church in the city of Philippi, a church that he absolutely adored, a church that seemed pretty healthy, but they did have one pressing problem, and it was in the area of relationships. Later in chapter 4, Paul calls out a specific relational conflict. Look at this, verses 2 and 3, chapter 4. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. There is some significant conflict going on in this church. And Paul is very concerned about it. So in chapter 2, he begins to address this area of relationships where we all could use some help, right? And so, so what Paul does here is begin by giving us a picture, a vision of what healthy relationships look like. We looked at verse one last week, so let me jump right to verse two, where we see this vision for healthy relationships. Paul writes this, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. See, this is what Paul longed for, for these believers in Philippi. It would make his heart happy if he knew they were experiencing relationships that looked like this. Okay, so according to Paul, what is it that characterizes a healthy relationship? Oneness. Oneness. That's what Paul is describing here. 
He is describing relationships that are characterized by oneness. I mean, this is the crucial characteristic of a healthy relationship, whether we're talking about a marriage or a relationship between siblings or between friends or coworkers or neighbors or roommates. A healthy relationship is characterized by oneness. Now, there are basically two aspects of this oneness that Paul articulates here. First is a oneness of mind. Paul says to them, make my joy complete, i.e., like make my day, you know, by being like-minded. Later in this verse, he says, being of one mind. This is the exact same phrase Paul used in chapter 4 with those two women who were in the midst of conflict. He urged them to be of the same mind. So what does this mean? What does this mean? It doesn't mean that we have to think the same way or agree on every point. I mean, if that were the case, it would be impossible for us to have healthy relationships. It would be impossible for us to have a healthy marriage because men and women think very differently. I mean, my, my mind has one compartment it can focus on at one time. Raylene has multiple compartments open at any time. We think differently, which can be pretty frustrating uh, for each of us at times, but we can still experience oneness. See, oneness of mind doesn't mean that we have to think the same. What, what like-minded is referring to is an attitude, a mindset. A healthy relationship is one in which both people have a healthy mindset, a healthy attitude towards that relationship. See, the reality is our mindset has, has way more impact on our relationships than we realize. I was talking with someone the other day who was sharing about her experience in the hospital recently. She talked about how when she just got checked into her room, there was this one nurse that had a really sour disposition, was negative and cranky. And so her, her, her instinctive response, this person talking to me, her instinctive response was to not like this nurse, to not like this person. But she had heard a sermon recently, not mine, but where an, another pastor had challenged his people to choose to think differently about the people around them. And so she decided to apply this. Rather than not liking this nurse, which would have been the natural response, she decided she was going to make this nurse her best friend. So she shifted her attitude. She started treating this nurse like she was her best friend with kindness and interest and caring. Well, guess what happened? After two days, this nurse's attitude had completely shifted. This nurse was now kind and attentive. She felt like a best friend. You see, our mindset has a huge impact on our relationships. So what mindset should we have in order to experience healthy relationships? Well, Paul shows us here. He actually starts by showing us what mindset we absolutely must avoid. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So in this one verse, Paul just articulated the two biggest enemies of healthy relationships, the two most powerful viruses that will destroy any relationship, self-centeredness and pride. These are the very two things that got Satan kicked out of heaven. I mean, Satan excels in these two things, and he wants us to as well, because when we excel in self-centeredness and pride, our relationships will suck. 
Really, they will. They will be filled with conflict, withdrawal, distance, division, bitterness, church splits, etc. I mean, Paul is clear here. Do nothing out of self-centeredness or pride. There is no place for either of these mindsets in a healthy relationship because they're both rooted in the same thing, self. Unhealthy relationships result when I view my relationships through the lens of me, through the lens of self. So the question is, what is our mindset when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our interactions with people? I mean, think about this. What questions are we asking internally when we're interacting with people? How can I get what I want? How does this person benefit me? Why aren't they doing what I want them to do? Why aren't they better meeting my needs? Why aren't they affirming me and valuing me and agreeing with me? Why aren't they noticing what an amazing person I am? Now, now I know some of us are probably thinking, well, well, don't my needs matter in a relationship? Absolutely, they do. But the question is, what is our mindset in our relationships? Is, is, if our mindset, our attitude in our relationships is all about us, we will not experience healthy relationships. We may build a monetarily successful business. We may have the biggest house on the block. We may, our kids may get straight A's or get athletic scholarship, whatever. But we are, not, we are not experiencing a genuine relational oneness with the people around us. Self-centeredness and pride can lead to some success, but they will also lead to relational bankruptcy, loneliness, distant relationships. Okay, so what mindset do we need to experience healthy relationships? Well, look at Paul, what Paul says next in verse four. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, he's talking about a mindset shift. Rather than viewing our relationships through the lens of me, we choose to view our relationships through a different lens, the lens of other people. Our focus is to be on their, their interests and needs rather than our own. Okay, so let me apply this to a very non-controversial topic right now, the, the wearing of masks. I mean, who would have thought that one of the most volatile topics in the church would be whether or not people should wear masks in church? I have friends on both sides of this issue. Some are adamant that wearing a mask is a demonstration of a lack of faith or a restriction of freedom. And I have other friends who feel strongly that wearing masks is a way to love your neighbor. So what does it look like for us as a church to be of one mind in this? Well, let me, let me share my own journey. Four months ago, four or five months ago, when people started wearing masks, my initial response was, no way. I am not doing that. It, it is uncomfortable. It's a hassle. I don't want to. No one can tell me what to do. This is a free country. But then I had some conversations with some friends in my life who have some health issues, respiratory issues, diabetes, conditions that make them more vulnerable to the harmful impact of COVID. And I suddenly realized my wearing a mask around them is not about me. It's not about me. 
It's not about me catching the virus. It's, it, it, it's not about me living in fear, not living in faith. No, it's about me doing what I can to focus on their needs and preferences and well-being. So that sort of changed my whole perspective. I, I still don't like wearing masks, but I understand why they're required indoors now. I understand why. And that it's an opportunity for me to put the preference of others above my own preferences. Okay, but I noticed something else happening more recently in my mask journey. I started to get frustrated with people who refused to wear masks in public places. I started to make judgments in my mind about them being selfish and unloving. And then I realized, hold it. I'm not being very loving towards these people who see this differently than I do. So I had to repent of my sin. And it struck me how whatever side we're on regarding this issue, we all need to apply this scripture here in Philippians to have a mindset of other-centeredness. For the one side to not judge Christians who wear masks as not having faith, and for the other side to not judge people who don't wear masks as being unloving. See, we both need to view each other through the mindset of Christ, who commands us to not look out for our own interests, but also the interests of others. So in, in Romans 14, there, there was a very similar controversy going on in the church, and it was about whether or not you should eat meat sacrificed to idols. So there were some people, some Christians on one side of this issue, who felt really strongly that, 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 that it was an issue of faith, and you didn't have enough faith if you ate, you know, you didn't eat meat like that. And the other side was accusing that side of being unspiritual. And so what does Paul tell them? Stop judging each other and instead accept each other. In fact, at one point he says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And I just want to say to us, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of masks. Being of one mind doesn't mean we all agree on this. It does mean that we accept and love one another. So this is why our posture as a church is to lean toward the side of safety by requiring masks when we start indoor gatherings uh, in a couple weeks, September 12th and 13th, requiring indoor masks when we start those gatherings. But we also have a worship service online. We're going to continue to have a worship service online. For, for, so for those, for, for those people who, for whatever reason, don't want to wear a mask in a worship service, they are free to watch at home. And we are all a part of Christ's community. We are all a part of Christ's community. This principle of putting the interests of others before our own applies way beyond this mask issue. I mean, this applies to every relationship we're involved in. I would encourage all of us, here's a little assignment this week, just encourage all of us this week, just pay attention, pay attention to this. As you're interacting with other people in any relationship or context or whatever, as you're interacting with people this week, ask yourself, what is my mindset right now? Through what lens am I viewing this interaction? Through the lens of my needs or theirs? Through the lens of my perspective or theirs? That one mindset shift has the power to pour life and health into our relationships. 
any religion. I mean, when, when two people, whether it's a marriage or a workplace or a classroom or a family or a small group, when, when two people have a mindset of looking to the needs of others, of each other, it can completely shift the atmosphere of that relationship. You really can think your way to a great relationship by changing your mindset. Well, the second aspect of relational health and oneness that Paul addresses here is oneness of heart. Oneness of heart. Look again at what he says in verse two. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit. See, what Paul is describing here is not simply a mindset. He is also describing a heart reality, our motivation for healthy relationships. I mean, why would we put the needs of others ahead of our own? Why would we do that? Well, for, for one reason, love, love. He, he says here in verse two, having the same love. This word love here is the word agape, the Greek word agape, which as we saw last week in verse one, speaks of God's decision to love us unconditionally. To have the same love is to live in the fullness of God's love for us in Christ. I mean, the reality is, the more we experience the fullness of Christ's unconditional love for us, as described in verse one, which we looked at last week, the more we experience his love for us, the more we are able to love the people around us with the same love. And the less we live in the reality of Christ's love, the more tight-fisted we become in giving that love away. What, what Christ's love frees us to demonstrate is what Paul did, mentions in verse 3. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. See, humility is not about putting ourselves down. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm so blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. That's actually pride because you're focusing on yourself. As C.S. Lewis has written, humility is not about thinking less of ourselves. It's about thinking of ourselves less See, as Paul says here, it's about valuing other people above yourself. This is a heart shift. Because of Christ's love uh, and value of us as demonstrated on the cross, we can choose to love and value others, to see them with awe, to see them as the precious image bearers of God that they are, giving them the attention and the listening ear, and the love that they deserve. Whether it's the person holding up a help me sign on a street corner, or our roommate, or a coworker, or your spouse, or a person with whom we're arguing about masks. I mean, what if you saw this, what, what, what if when you saw this person, your instinctive heart response was to honor and value them? as people created and loved by God. Imagine the impact in our marriage, and in our family, on our dorm floor, in our friendships, in our workplace, in our school, in our small group, in our church, in our nation. If we as Christ followers began to live out this love of Christ, adopting a mindset of looking to the interests of others rather than ourselves, and adopting a heart shift of honoring and valuing the people around us, listening to their perspective, valuing their life and their story and their heart. 
This is so needed today. This is so needed today. I mean, in the midst of all the relational tension in every sphere of life, we as Christ followers have this amazing opportunity to let the love of Christ in us, the love Jesus poured out through his death on the cross, to let that love flow through us into every encounter, every relationship. Amen. Let's pray together. So I, I want us just, as we quiet our heart now, as we're responding to what we've heard, I, I, we're going to get really practical in our prayer time here. I want you to think right now. Think of one specific relationship in your life right now where there is tension. Could be in family, marriage, uh, church, could be small group, could be work, school. But think of one relationship in your life where there's, there's tension. Okay, now that you've got that relationship in your mind, what would it look like in that relationship for you to follow Christ in humility? So first of all, let's just take a moment and let's ask Jesus. I want you to ask Jesus to help you see this person the way he does, to value this person the way he does. So Jesus... How do you see this person? So hopefully the Lord, although in my heart, in a relationship that he just brought to mind, he's just reminding me of how much he loves and values this person. So God, we pray for a heart shift towards these people. We were just praying about a heart shift in the way we value and honor them. Now, the second part of this, let's ask Jesus, again, with regard to that relationship, ask Jesus to help us put the interests of this other person above our own interests. What would that look like specifically for you to do that, for me to do that? Just ask the Lord to show us. So now ask him for the strength and the courage and the capacity, the ability to love, to do this, to actually put the interests of this person before your own. Father, I thank you for the life that you're going to pour out into relationships, into our relationships because of our choice to follow you in this way. And so I want, to, I want to pray right now for healing and reconciliation of damaged relationships. I pray for strengthening of marriages right now and small groups and friendships and work relationships and roommates. We just pray for you to pour life into all these relationships right now. 
as we follow you, as we open our heart afresh to your love and we love other people. We let that love flow, flow through us, changing the way we, our heart towards people and our mindset towards people. So do an amazing thing in our relationships, we pray. And Father, now I ask you to set us free to respond in worship. We love you. We worship you. Thank you for your love for us. Set us free to worship you right now. In Jesus' name.